Welcome to the DLTV podcast. I'm Marcus Mulcahy, and our guest today is Lucas Johnson, Research and Development Manager in STEM Education at Monash University. So, Lucas, welcome to the DLTV podcast. It's great to have you on. Before we go any further, can you tell us something about your role at Monash Uni? Uh, thanks, Marcus, for having me. Yeah, my role at Monash Uni is a research and development manager in STEM education. So basically that sees me working with teachers and facilitating partnerships between the faculty and school. Um, also have the opportunity to work on research projects and help to liaise between the academics and schools. It also sees me planning and facilitating various professional learning experiences. So we run a STEM professional learning course. It's a two-day course. We've recently introduced an engineering in STEM education course, which we've been working with the Faculty of Engineering to provide. And I also help to plan and facilitate our seminar series, which is a, a series of seminars that we run four times per year, where we have a panel of experts to discuss all the the recent issues in STEM education. Can you give us a bit of a bit of a feel for the career journey that's led you to this role at Monash University? Yeah, absolutely. So I spent 10 years as a primary teacher. In that role, uh, there was a lot of time in the classroom as well as various uh, leadership roles. So I held a digital technologies leadership role for a few years. And then in the latter part of that time, I held a role in uh, as a leader in STEM education. So that, that was a, uh, a curriculum role there. In my final year, actually, at my most recent school, I was involved in playing an event called STEM to the Front where we brought together about 11 different Catholic schools in the area for students to come together and share their STEM education learning and journey, which was a fantastic event. And um, it was really great to see students coming together and showing their passion for STEM education. And I think it was a, a great opportunity for teachers to see how powerful STEM can actually be for students. Was it that that led to Monash University ultimately or...? Well, absolutely, yeah. So it was through the networking, through the planning of that event that allowed me to, to find my way into Monash University. And I was pretty serendipitous in, in the way it came about, to be honest. But it was, um, it was definitely a, a large uh, contributing factor. Now, look, I know you're working on a lot of cool things. We're gonna, I'm really keen to, for you to share some of those with the audience. And I definitely want to come to your up, upcoming trip to Japan. But uh, let's, go back, <laughs> let's go back a bit. Let's talk about some of the cool things you're working on at the moment that you're really thinking, wow, this is happening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm currently building a website that we're putting together a, pretty much all of our STEM education resources and decentralizing what we've been doing as a faculty. Um, part of that website is also a professional learning toolkit. So we're trying to create a series of professional learning experiences for teachers to do as almost like a self-led activity or to use it to facilitate meetings. So we go with the idea that if someone's new to the, the role of, say, STEM leader, for example, these resources can help them to start and continue the conversations going on um, in, their, in their schools, really. Uh, another thing that's pretty cool that I've been working on is with Catholic Ed Melbourne, where we're curating and putting together the STEM Mad Showcase. Uh, it's a similar event to the STEM to the Front event that we had at my school, but um, supercharged, I guess you'd say. It's, yeah. I think this year they're looking at having about 100 groups of students coming together and sharing their learning and 
in one big day of uh, of fun for the students and then a, a teacher professional learning experience the next day. So it's been fantastic to work on that one. Now, of course, you're heading over to Japan. What's the story? Do you want to give the listeners a bit of a feel for what's happening with that? Yeah, absolutely. So as part of my role as well, we've been working with a group of teachers from Saudi Arabia, an incredible program where we've got in total 45 teachers move over to Australia for 10 months. They bring their families across. um, And in our STEM stream, we have 25 teachers. So as part of that, we, myself and a couple of my colleagues have been doing some research around their building understanding of STEM education. And fortunately, we've been lucky enough to present this research in Tokyo in Ooh. November, which is pretty exciting. Um, Very nice. So something to really look forward to, yeah. Is that a long conference, is it, or a few days or something? Or uh, I think it's a three- to four-day conference, and it's a general education conference. So it would be great to see a range of presentations from other areas of education. Have you been to Japan before? No, first time. It's definitely one on, on the bucket list, actually. So it was very nice to hear that we've been accepted to that one. Very nice. Well done. Now, look, I know you're involved with the Melbourne STEM Teacher Collective, which you're, I think you're behind that or you're one of the, the movers and shakers behind it. What's happening with that? Yeah, it was really interesting how that one came about, actually. Um, I'd be, I went and caught up with a teacher who was part of our professional learning course and she was doing great things at her school. And, and as we met, she said to me that she'd be interested in looking at a way of bringing STEM teachers together just to chat about what they're doing and, and how they've gone about the challenges they've faced together. So as, as with the fact that I had the connections through our faculty, we got together and we created um, a, a group of teachers, of like-minded teachers who came together and planned our first event, which we had earlier this year. And it was really um, what we thought was quite successful. It was held at Monash Uni. I think we had about 60 teachers in attendance and a lot of interest around that event. So we're actually currently in the middle of planning our second event coming up in early term four. The the whole point really is just to have it as an event where it's for teachers by teachers, really. It's, It's about the idea of that teacher voice and teacher's that sharing economy, I suppose, when it comes to education. Yeah, yeah we hope that we can continue to, to build this group. We've got a, a Facebook group that goes with it and we also have a, a Twitter account. So we're hoping to, to generate some more interest and really build this as we go. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of people piling onto the uh, liking the Facebook page and also the Twitter page as well too. Absolutely. The followers are gathering. Where are you planning to meet the second one? Is it going to be at Monash University again or...? No, we're actually, this one, we're, we're across on the western side, so we're hoping to attract some of the teachers from sort of the western side of, of the um, city. So I think it, we haven't locked in a venue yet, but it will probably probably most likely be sort of in our western Melbourne at nice. this stage. Nice. When do yeah. we get the dates on that? The dates will come out very shortly. So once we've locked in a venue, we'll, we'll be right to go. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Lucas, at DigiCon, I really enjoyed the fact that you were talking about design thinking. I think it's a really important feature of where schools are moving. Why do you think design thinking in STEM is so important? Yeah, I think design thinking really draws on um, really strong pedagogy for STEM. I think, and I think what makes STEM different from just the, the standard integration of maths and science, for example, or maths and tech together is that pedagogical approach. And if we draw on the design thinking and the practices from things like engineering, it really adds another level to for our students to be engaged in this process. So 
design thinking, for example, offers a, a framework to apply some of the principles of engineering. And it also allows the teachers to, to start to integrate some of these principles without feeling like they needed, need to be an engineering expert. Um, I think that idea of engineering can scare a few teachers away, to be honest. Uh, so if they can have this common framework that they can draw upon, it makes life a lot easier for them. And then again, adding to that as well is that idea of building a common language around STEM. So if you have, a, as a school, if you have an agreed-upon design thinking framework, it really creates that common language to help students in solving problems. And, and once they build that language of problem-solving, then it helps them with problems, not only in school but, but outside of school as well, I think. Just on design thinking, do you have places you go to to find information about design thinking that you'd recommend teachers who are sort of come across design thinking but want a bit of a heads up? Where well, should they look? That's an interesting question, actually, because we, if you were to Google design thinking and design thinking frameworks, there's hundreds that come up. So it can be really easy to get lost in the, in the sea of, of what's going on out there. So we tend to, for some of our practices, we tend to lean on the D-School model from Stanford and then we've actually to be honest we've gone straight to the source recently where we've been working with the Faculty of Engineering and looking at what they do and how they approach problems and it's been really enlightening for us and, and actually in our recent engineering course we had one of the engineers talk about the role of an, en- of an engineer and, and those extra capabilities that we teach in schools are, one of, are some of the key parts of the engineering and the design thinking process that, you know, they were saying that only 20% of an engineer's role is spent on technical work, whereas the 80, other 80% is spent on communicating ideas, working collaboratively, you know, all of those ideas that we're really pushing in schools at the moment as well. In terms of challenges, you know, what are the, what are the sort of challenges we're facing in STEM education? Do you have any feel for that? I think from my point of view and just the teachers and the schools that I've worked with, I think really it's still partly in its definition. The fact that every school is a, almost a, its very own microcosm, it's a, a, you know, got a different community, it's got different levels of staff experience and access to resources, I think it's one of the greatest challenges that schools could probably tick off quite um, easily is creating that shared understanding of what STEM can look like in their school. And then the next one is really coming from primary education is that ability to, to confidently know your content well enough to be able to then apply it into a, an integrated approach or cross-disciplinary approach to education. But um, I think another challenge is the lack of explicit curriculum around STEM education. So um, obviously, currently, there is no STEM curriculum as such. And what I've noticed recently is that educational policy is actually almost reacting to what teachers are doing in STEM education. So it's becoming almost a ground-up educational policy-making here where you've got your curriculum authorities starting to think about maybe how to write curriculum that matches what's going on in STEM classrooms, which is quite um, impressive, actually, when you think about it. Yeah, good pick-up. That's actually a really good observation. That's probably exactly how it's happening at the moment. Yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think there's definitely political policy around it. And then I think really it's the educational policy that's catching up at the moment. So, yeah. so I think, you know, it really is a great example of showing that, you know, when teachers want to do something and see a purpose for doing it, that policy can happen from the ground up at times or that can drive policy. 
Nice. Now, Lucas, you, the, the audience out there is screaming for some ideas. So can you, uh, and this is a bit of a stock question, so can you give us a bit of a heads up on your favourite STEM education resource or something you've seen that's blown your mind? But uh, what would it be? Well, one of the most recent ones I've actually seen is the Merge Cube. Um, I'm not sure if you're Ooh, familiar with it, but yes, it very is nice. A, it's a great yeah. tool. Um, I, I saw it; it really blew my mind. As well as Makey Makeys is a, is a good one for me as well because I think they're really great tools that rely on quality pedagogy around it. Though I think to think that a tool is the answer to STEM is probably not the ideal way of thinking. So I think really, again, it rests on. In, quality pedagogy and thinking about how can these how can these tools support quality teaching and how can these tools be a way of um, boosting my STEM teaching in the classroom. So I guess when I think back to my time in the classroom, one of my favourite resources or some of my favourite resources for STEM were pretty much cardboard, masking tape and post-it notes. Oh, and I think that idea of prototyping it. and, yeah, and that working fast and cheaply and, you know, I think that was really those sort of tools. They're, they're STEM teacher's best friend. So, you know, you get your students to bring them in from home and you're acting a bit more sustainably there as well, which is always a, a bonus. That's a go-to for me as well too. I love that idea. Now, Monash, obviously you're out there out there in the field and uh, Monash is heavily involved in a lot of schools, especially in the region that I, I uh, operate in. But, um, you know, what sort of future plans we're thinking about for Monash and STEM education in the future? I think it'd be hard to, to talk about future plans in the area because education is such a, a rapidly changing landscape, I suppose. But Monash actually will continue to offer our STEM seminar series next year as well as our professional learning courses in STEM education and engineering in STEM. And the other thing we offer actually is a, a graduate certificate in STEM education. So that's a, a one-year-long course that is completely online, so it can be done from anywhere, really. And from all reports, the feedback I've heard is fantastic in the way that teachers have been able to really boost their understanding in not only knowing STEM, but being able to lead STEM education within their schools. So that's been a a great offering from our faculty. Um, But again, it's really hard to predict what the future plans are around STEM, to be honest. Yeah, no worries at all. But uh, thanks for having a stab at it. Uh, now, what does STEM look like in schools in 50 years? So you're gazing in the crystal ball. What are we seeing in 50 years, do you reckon? Come on. <laughs> I think that's, that's a really interesting question. Go on. 50 years, is, we all know it's a very long time. And Put yourself think, out there. I think five years in education is a long time. If you look back at what STEM education looked like in Victoria's schools five years ago, it was almost non-existent. So it would be really hard to make a big prediction as far as, um, you know, what we can do, especially with the introduction of new technologies and artificial intelligence and so on. But I, I still think those core foundation and principles of STEM in the idea of teaching STEM skills and capabilities and dispositions will be a key factor in, in any education, whether it's called STEM education at the time or not. I still think that based on the fact that you know, we will have the introduction of AI into many roles. The need to teach those really human skills will be the key idea that, mm. you know, that we can teach our students what can you do that an algorithm can't do, teaching ideas like empathy and the ability to think critically and to to be able to connect with other people I think is, is probably a key. 
Now, Lucas, uh, if some of your listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the what's the best way they can reach you? I I know you're on Twitter, so do you want to give us your, your Twitter your, your Twitter address? But also, how can they reach you generally? Yeah, so you can, uh, my Twitter handle is at lucasjedu. Uh, so you can definitely contact me on Twitter. But also, I mean, a big part of my role is working with teachers, and I love hearing what's going on with teachers in STEM education. So if you wanted to email me directly, you, you can on lucas.johnson at monash.edu um, is probably the best way to get in contact. Look, Lucas, uh, thanks for joining us today on the DLTV podcast. It's been great to have you on, and uh, I love the work you're doing and excited by what's possible for uh, things you're involved in. So well done, mate. Love your work. Thanks, Marcus. It's been great to take part. Good on you, Lucas. Thanks for listening to the DLTV podcast. You can find all our podcasts on our website, dltv.vic.edu.au and on SoundCloud. Have a great day.